1: Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com/tapiphone.
2: Andrew Boudreau has supported Independent Tech News directly for 5 years. Be like Monsieur Boudreau, become a DTNS member at patreon.com/dtns. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, April 4th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt.
0: And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From the goose-laden shores of Lake Merritt, I'm
3: Justin Robert Young.
4: And I'm the show's producer who likes everyone, Roger Ch- <laughs> He really does.
0: <laughs> oh, Bonjour! How, how nice Roger. for you, Roger. What's that like?
2: Uh, goose-laden shores. It's so poetic. <laughs> I feel like you're the Edgar Allan Poe of Lake Merritt. That's lovely. <laughs> Uh, We are going to talk about uh, digital literacy, specifically a BuzzFeed article about how it applies to those over the age of 65. But let's start with a few tech things you should know.
0: Snapchat introduced Snap Game, a platform for users to play real time multiplayer games supported by six second unstoppable ads. Snap also launched an AR platform called Scan with partnerships with Photomath and Giphy. And app Stories will let developers insert Snapchat stories into their own apps with Tinder and House Party, two of the first to do so. Snapchat also unveiled a new slate of 10 original series. Kind of a trend.
3: Mm, I wonder if that'll work. After uh, a review of international projects and partnerships, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology has decided against, quote, accepting new engagements or renewing existing ones with Huawei or ZTE due to federal investigations regarding violations of sanctions uh, restrictions. MIT said it will revisit its collaborations with Huawei and ZTE over time. WhatsApp for
2: business customers launched on iOS after previously being only available on Android, according to Facebook, which owns WhatsApp. WhatsApp business has been adopted by millions of businesses worldwide since its debut.
0: The Australian Parliament passed the sharing of abhorrent violent material law on Thursday, which creates new offenses for content service providers and hosting services that fail to notify the Australian Federal Police about or fail to swiftly remove videos depicting things like terrorist acts, murders, attempted murders. You get the idea.
2: And 9to5Google reports Google has sent music artists an email letting them know it's going to shut down Google Play Artist Hub April 30th, artists will now need to publish their songs with a YouTube partner if they want to get into Google's music service. YouTube Music is taking over for Google Play Music, so CD Baby, TuneCore, those kind of places uh, will allow you to publish your music into the ecosystem, Uh, and it's a signpost along the transition, the long transition of merging Google Play Music into YouTube Music. All right, let's talk a little bit more about space internet, Justin. Justin. Space, space,
3: space. Amazon made three sets of filings with the International Telecommunications Union last month by the Federal Communications Commission on behalf of Kuiper Systems, LLC, which is based in Washington, D.C. Amazon's project Kuiper plans to provide low latency broadband Internet access using 3,236 satellites in low Earth orbit. Amazon confirmed to GeekWire that Kuiper is one of its projects saying it will target 56 degrees north to 56 degrees south latitude, which will cover 95% of the Earth's population. SpaceX, SoftBank-backed OneWeb, Telesat, and Facebook- and Boeing-backed Leosat are also attempting to do the same thing.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, not much to say here other than, okay, cool. Uh, We got we got another uh, company into the pool and to note that Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, also running a company that launches things into space called Blue Origin. Uh, They actually GeekWire asked him about this and and they said uh, we will evaluate evaluate Blue Origin as a carrier for our satellites, just like everybody else.
3: Yeah, uh, I think we are at the point now where you have to just wonder, OK, well, who's going to be the first to set up a a, a, a sign up page and say you can start using our Internet right now?
2: Yeah. Um, and for you San Francisco Giants baseball fans, no word on a Project Kruko.
3: Wow. <laughs>
0: Yeah. It's funny. When I hear stories like this, I'm like, okay, well, I mean, if anyone could do it, it's probably Amazon. But then there's also SpaceX. And, you know, we we talk about competitor stories doing things like this all the time. I I feel like we're still in that mode where it's like, okay, here's another company who's going to bring internet to a lot of the world's population that doesn't really have good access right now. And it's a little bit more of a... Uh, 3,000 satellites rather than a this is how it's affecting people in the real world.
2: Yeah, because we don't have a service yet. No, totally. Exactly.
0: Amazon announced six new skills for Amazon voice services from healthcare companies such as Cigna and Boston Children's Hospital, and they are HIPAA compliant. The skills can help schedule appointments, check recent blood sugar readings, check prescription delivery status, and deliver updates from caregivers as well. Developers who want to make their own healthcare skills must apply to an invite-only program to participate.
2: The one question that I could not find an answer to – I'm not saying it doesn't exist – is how these are protected from being accessed by anyone else in your house. Uh, because the Amazon Echo very famously responds to anyone saying its trigger word. Uh, and that means, I mean, I guess the idea is, well, if you're in your house, you know, potentially you you would either mute these things or turn them off if there's someone in your house that you didn't want to access them. But I feel like it needs a little more protection than that
3: yeah but what they're doing is not you know necessarily revealing if you're checking on the shipment of your pills or something like that 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 isn't exactly revealing i mean i guess it can be and and there's a reason why these yeah,
2: well, you know healthcare uh, information right yeah people get real protective about it
3: sure uh, uh i i guess th- th- there is a larger question of exactly how HIPAA did certify these and there is uh,
2: a, like a there there are systems in the echo like the pin when you order something from Amazon where it's yeah is it you know so i'm I'm not saying they don't exist I just couldn't find anything about that
3: but you're still saying it I guess yeah I mean it would be something to would say out loud there's no way that you can interact with the echo uh, uh, securely while there are other people around right that would because if you're just yelling your password out but then again <laughs> I guess then you don't care whether or not they yeah, hear. obviously, right.
2: Because they can hear the answer. I, I do think it's it's fair to point out that Amazon is uh, is you know this is something where they're trying to differentiate themselves from the other smart speakers out there by saying look look at what we have in healthcare, which is for you know for people who don't want to have to go digging into an app uh, to find out some some simple information like this is pretty convenient.
3: Uh, also makes sense considering they are moving more in a healthcare direction. That they want more and more ways that you can interact with Mm your, uh, you know, your, your, your healthy life via Amazon products and services.
2: Microsoft is making changes in how it will roll out its May update to Windows 10 uh, currently uh, codenamed 19h1
3: rolls uh, off the tongue
2: it's the 1903 update uh, if you're if you're looking at the the insider preview number uh, in order to avoid problems it had with its October update here are some of the things that are changing first a release preview will come out next week with a month scheduled for testing. Hopefully we'll be able to find more bugs that way. Also, the choice between monthly updates out twice yearly feature updates will be made clearer and you will be able to choose whether you want monthly updates or twice yearly updates. And if you choose monthly updates, you can say just security. Don't give me the feature updates. At least for 18 months. So if you're like, I, you know what, I don't trust that that feature in the new, uh, in the new spring update is going to work yet, hold off on that, but give me my monthly security updates. You can choose to do that. Users will also be able to delay monthly updates for a week for up to five weeks. If they're like, you know what, I want the monthly feature update, but give me two weeks, give me three weeks on that. You'll get to choose that. Microsoft will also adjust active hours. That's the time it determines it won't push an update which you set right now. It's going to use some machine intelligence to be able to guess based on your usage when the best bet is to push an update out. And a new dashboard is going to make it easier to see what else you need to update in order to keep compatibility, things like drivers, etc. Microsoft will use machine learning also to help identify important bug reports. Uh, the bug that was deleting data in the October update had been reported. It just wasn't properly elevated. So they're going to use some machine intelligence to help look for that. And they're not just going to look in their insider program. They're going to take data from Twitter and Reddit to try to determine when people are saying things are happening, whether it's worth looking at or not.
0: I mean, you explaining this right now makes perfect sense, but... How is Microsoft going to make sure that it, you know, the average user is like, okay, I understand my 900 options for updates? Well,
2: that's a fair point, because these are for the people who are already complaining that they don't have this option. The average user is just going to say, yeah, give me my updates when I'm not working. And the active hours is going to automatically do it when they're not working. And that's that. But the people who are like, I don't want you pushing this update on me. Give me control. Well, now you have some.
3: I mean but that's what Windows does. Sarah, they give you 9,000
0: options. That's that's the the, the point. They they are, they are a a random Justin, Don't exaggerate. It's 900 options. 900 billion <laughs> options and counting
3: uh from the Windows operating system and they should. This is No, it's,
0: more... it's 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 if you care about these sorts of things, this is great. You know, when you when you kind of see it read out, you're like it's talk about confusing folks. But again, you know, to Tom's point, this is this, these are options for people who want them Um, for everybody else. It's sort of like, yeah, just like, don't restart my computer when I'm doing something. Yeah. When I'm in the middle middle of something. Yeah. Like, but you know, doing my online banking. And uh,
2: you know, I think that that is one aspect of this. The other aspect being uh, the, the, the big problem with the October update was not only that there was a bug that was deleting your data, which is awful, but that, People had noticed it before this was released and they didn't find, you know, there's so many bug reports, it didn't get surfaced properly. So taking some extra steps to make sure that important bugs are noticed and surfaced properly, which I know it's easy in hindsight to go, it was a bad bug. Why didn't you surface it? But anybody who's managed a bug queue knows it's, it's a trick to figure out which of the bugs are actually the priority ones you need to, you need to work on because everybody thinks their bug is a P1.
3: Well, here is a bug that we've thankfully been able to rectify the harm from. The Internet Archive published a catalog of 490,000 MySpace songs from between 2008 and 2010, originally thought to be lost after a server migration error. The saved tracks were apparently collected by an anonymous academic group that was studying music networks during MySpace's popularity. The group contacted the Internet Archive with the files. The music can be played through an online interface designed to look like MySpace's original music player.
0: You know what's funny about this is 490,000 songs, you're like, wow, okay. But that it, it was, what, 5 million overall that were lost? So it's, it's a very small sample of the total songs that still have not been recovered. But very interesting that an anonymous academic group was like, hey, Internet Archive, we can help. We can help 50, here.
2: 50 million tracks.
0: 50 million yeah. tracks.
3: But everybody don't frown because it's gone. Smile because it happened, which would be a quote. I'd see a lot on MySpace pages and something we should remember that any of this music was recovered because it could have all been lost.
2: You know, this is I, I'm <laughs> going to bang this drum once. OK, and I promise not to bang it again this episode. If we had looser copyright laws, this wouldn't have happened. This academic team has to be anonymous because they're worried about the copyright implications of having saved this music. And the reason that the Internet Archive didn't just go ahead and save it is there were risks to copying MySpace music because music copyright was the riskiest thing to meddle with. And we've lost music. Now, you could say, eh, it must not be that important if we lost it. Okay, fine. But uh, a, a more reasonable copyright law would have helped prevent this
3: Mm.
0: i i really want to know more about the anonymous academic group and their many terabytes of data that they (laughs) collected during 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 myspace's you know heyday because it, it was it was obviously probably something that uh that had more to do with just like who's uploading music onto MySpace. Yeah, I but guess yeah. they
2: were, they were wanting to look into sharing and how, how music yeah. spread and, 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 and legitimate academic investigations. Um, but they've always been worried about, you know, you know, we're studying music networks on MySpace is what they, what they say in the Verge article. But they're always worried about getting slammed for doing it.
3: Don't get slammed.
0: Get, I don't know. I Tesla. It. Yeah. Get, Get Tesla. Tesla. <laughs> Speaking of Tesla, Tom, weird. Weird. <laughs> you almost read my mind. Tesla delivered sixty-three thousand cars last quarter, which is down thirty one percent from the previous quarter. Recodes at Mola points out that while Tesla sells a lot fewer cars than say Toyota or Ford, Tesla's Model 3 was the best-selling luxury car last year, according to Car and Driver. The Model 3 sold 138,000 cars. Number two was the Lexus RX at 112,000 models. But Tesla likes to talk about the Model 3 as a mass-market car, and Elon Musk has also predicted demand for 500,000 Model 3s in 2019.
2: 500,000 would make it one of the best-selling cars, period. Forget luxury. You can argue that there are better luxury appointments in a Lexus RX than in a Model 3. And Tesla really wants to bill the Model 3 as an everyman car, which I find hilarious when it costs $35,000 and up to $60,000, depending on how you equip it. Uh, so I think it's yeah. fair to look at this as a luxury car. I don't think Tesla has made a, an every-person car
3: yet. Well, yeah, this is them trying to do what Apple has done very successfully, which is saying uh, this is certainly a higher cost. But it's a bargain when you look at what you get. Uh, uh th- Sure, this is, this is for the real coupon clippers because uh, uh, <laughs> you're going to own this car forever and it's going to cost you less in the long run. And there's a lot of other uh, bonus things to it that will just make your life easier. You're saving money spending this $60,000. You know, Joe Sixpack?
0: <laughs> you got to spend money to make money. And we, we had, we were kicking around the idea of like, is Tesla the every person vehicle company before the show? And I mean, I say no. It's, it's first of all, the whole idea of the electric car is still, we're still getting to the point where you could take a real road trip that that lasts more than 300 miles and be able to do that without charging it, you know, and also being able to charge your car and the fact that it is expensive there. I mean, this is not an economy vehicle, even the model three, you sure. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's Tesla is, is working towards making it more accessible for, for most people, but it's still very much out of reach for most people who are looking not, for not
2: car. all electric vehicles are this expensive. I mean, electric no. vehicles in well, that's, general. And are that's my accessible.
0: point. It's yeah,
2: Tesla. That's that's yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Exactly. I mean, this is you know, it's it's they're very cool cars. I'm I'm Just a Tesla sure. fan, but 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 this is not like a economy. Budgets, no optional no.
3: and, and and really it's like th- their supply chain hasn't even allowed for the fact that they you know could could sell at the at the level that they want to they hope that they are able to continue to ramp that up running a car company is really hard and and i think it is to tesla's credit that they understood exploiting the upper end of car buyers uh, uh first and then slowly making your way down was the way to do it because unless you are Already in the game, it's very, very hard. There's a reason why we hadn't had a new American car company in decades uh, uh, until Tesla came along because it's a perilous, perilous uh, field to get into.
2: We, we barely have any new car companies at all yeah. in the world where, where we have them are in emerging markets. You know, places like China and now India are starting to see newer car companies. But that's because they there's room in those markets to move in on the low price. You don't, you don't see new car companies in Europe even either. Uh, It's a really good point. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, bottom line, I know that Tesla has to talk about the Model 3 as being accessible to get people interested in it. But a lot of people criticize Tesla for not selling at levels that I don't think they're meant to sell at. No. Hey folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. All right. BuzzFeed has a story out called Old Online and Fed On Lies, how an aging population will reshape the Internet. Uh, We're going to try not to critique the article itself or its headline. It opens with (laughs) premise. There are people trying to bridge the digital divide, particularly with retirees. Uh, People over the age of 65 definitely need a little more help getting into digital stuff if they aren't already there. There are plenty of people over the age of 65 who know how to use stuff, uh, but there are some people over the age of 65, probably more often than in the teens and 20s age group, that might need somebody to like, hey, show me how this works. And there are groups trying to do that. And I think that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of the points from the article, though, are trying to paint a picture of the growth of the 65 plus age group, which will soon be the U.S. largest age group, uh, as problematic because of a lack of digital literacy. Uh, For instance, multiple studies are cited arguing that older people are not as good at spotting accurate news and more likely to spread fake news. Research published in Science Advances in January, a peer-reviewed article found that users over the age of 65 on Facebook shared nearly seven times as many articles from fake news domains as the youngest age group. Now, we'll, we'll go on with a couple of other things here, and I want to circle back to that in a second. Loneliness can affect your cognitive function, and older people are often, just by circumstance, more lonely. Physical and mental health can be affected by that. It can result in a decline in the ability to self-regulate, which could cause people to gravitate towards like-minded views because they want to feel included. Again, not all people over the age of 65, but it is more prevalent in that age group. Older people are generally more likely to be victims of fraud as our critical abilities decline with age. The older you get, the less critical abilities you have. That's just a fact of getting older. And we all try to correct for that in various ways. So in some, as always, as we all age, we have a harder time keeping up with new things. And the Internet, it appears, is not an exception. Also, people who are new to the Internet have a harder time getting used to it than people who've had it for a while or for all their life. I think that one's age independent, uh, whether you're over the age of 65 or not. So is there actually a new problem here? I'm not saying there shouldn't be groups going out and saying hey folks over the age of 65 let's help you get up to speed on how this internet stuff works if you don't know already which some of you do uh and is there a risk to this justin are 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 the people who are over the age of 65 who tend to vote in larger numbers being swayed by all this fake news
3: no i mean uh, all right are, are they being uh swayed by the fake news Maybe uh, they certainly share it at a disproportionately larger number, uh, but I don't know if that should be a shocking thing considering Facebook is a platform designed to maximize your time on that platform. Retirees have a lot of time and there are many soci- uh, you know, uh, societal things that contribute to that. There certainly is a, a case to be made that that uh, loneliness that sets in in some of our elder uh, uh, elders is something that we should, think about and look at and possibly correct for. And this might be a panacea for, for that, but I do not believe in any way. And I'm going to refrain from singling this article out specifically because I made a promise to Tom, but uh, I will say the general idea that elders are in some way polluting or ruining the internet because they are sharing things that make it worse is wrong and I would say offensive to uh, many uh, folks who just enjoy having something to do.
0: Well, the yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple things when you think of a, 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 the, the aging population. Okay, if you're retired and you've got more time on your hands than somebody who has to work, I don't know, a minimum of eight hours a day on other things. Yeah. You might end up spending more time on a social network and that actually factors into how that social network might want to act because you're actually on the social network more than uh, other folks. Also, you know, and I, I, you know, I think of my own mom as as an example of this, but like somebody who never had to use the internet as part of her job, as a younger person, you know, you're retired, you've got some time in your hands, you might use a social network like purely in a social aspect, the way that Justin and Roger and Tom Mm -hmm. and I don't, because we've never really known it other uh, as, as anything other than like a tool, which is also social. And I think that that's an important distinction. Yeah. And I
3: I also think that part of it is there is a different way that, uh, folks who uh, you know they were fairly late in life when social networks came along think about social networks. We think about it far more as a busy, bustling town square. Where I think many folks who are on there, they see a meme and it might be mean and it might be pointed, it might be politically charged, but they look at it like they would a bumper sticker, except they don't actually have to drive around with it. So they share it, and some friends talk about it, and and other friends don't, and maybe they get the goat of. You know, the their, their, their niece who is, uh, you know, getting a, a liberal arts degree and, and they can go to sleep like I, I just think it's harmless. It is harmless. Uh, I had a great interview with uh, uh, Professor Joseph Izinski from the University of Miami. he has written a book called American Conspiracy Theories, all about political conspiracy theories and how they have propagated throughout the years. He did an empirical study of looking at letters to the editor from the Chicago Tribune and the New York Times over a hundred years span. And compared it to where we are now and also compared it to data of what people believe, or at least in terms of surveys. Conspiracy theories have gotten shorter in their lifespans since the Internet. As much as we like to figure out, uh, we like to, to to look at things and like, oh, well, look, a bunch of people believe something because this guy said it or this per- this thing has gone viral on Facebook. Fake news is ruining the world. By the numbers... The shelf life on a conspiracy theory is diminishing because we have a, a, a world, a galaxy of fact checkers to knock things down faster than we did before. So I, I just I think that there is a criticism to say, well, maybe the platform time spent on platform at all costs mentality that we've had with social networks does on some level target uh, older Americans. And we should think about that. But blaming them? Ugh.
2: Yeah. I, I, there's two things I would take out of this article uh, that I think are worthwhile. One is what I said before, that uh, people who are new to the Internet, no matter what their age, have a harder time getting used to it and understanding how it works. Uh, there may be a percentage wise larger number of people in the 65 plus age group that are new to the internet just because it wasn't around for most of their life. But I don't think there's really a problem with 65 plus. And that is a problem with this article that, that Justin rightly points out. Uh, but whether you're 65 plus or 65 negative, uh, you if you are unfamiliar with the internet, there, that is something we need to do. We need to help people improve their digital literacy and understand how the internet works, how to avoid scams, how to understand when someone is saying something, where it reaches, when what you say, uh, where it goes, and how to protect yourself online. That is important for all age groups. Also, it is absolutely true that as we get older, uh, we are all getting worse at critical thinking. And when you're in your 20s, you tend to discount that because you're really good at it. Uh, But it's been proven over decades that you're more likely to fall for a scam the older you are. And that's not new on the Internet. Maybe it's a little more accelerated. Maybe it's not. Uh, It's not a new problem. Most of these problems that are 65 plus aren't new problems. It's just the Internet puts them in a new way of looking at them, which is not new itself. When there was television and newspapers, that was that brought new problems. Every new technology brings new problems. So I'm not trying to deny that there are problems, but the fact that there are problems isn't new. It's not like, oh, everything was fine for everybody 65 plus until that Internet came along and made them all believe a bunch of lies. I just I don't buy that at all. And I think it's an unproductive way of looking at things.
3: Uh, I, I will say shout out to the AARP who in this uh, article, they do begin and end the article talking about a program that uh, uh, shows elder Americans uh, how to use iPads and communicate with their family I think that's a great 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 uh, program so uh, if you know somebody that would be that would be appropriate for then that's great that it, uh, great that it exists.
0: Speaking of great programs, we have a subreddit. And thanks to everybody who participates in it. You can submit stories and vote on others at dailytechnewshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook. You want to hang out on Facebook? Well, we've got a group, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewshow.
2: Let's check out the mailbag.
0: Let's do it. This one comes from Brandon. Brandon, we're going in the other direction. Uh, Brandon has a daughter. Uh, he's uh, She's about to turn 10. Brandon says, it's got me and my wife talking about smart devices for her. My wife is hesitant to give her a smartphone, as by the time we lock it down, it would be a little better than a feature phone. Plus, being a kid, she could lose it. We were thinking about a smartwatch with cellular connectivity so she could reach us should she need to. I was wondering what the other parents are doing or thoughts about kids and smartphones in general.
2: Roger, you've got two kids and I I know you're still trying to figure this out yourself.
4: It's, it's tough because it's uh, one of those things that is ubiquitous.
1: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach
0: waves, feel the warm breeze, relax,
1: and think
2: about
0: work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
1: The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. But
4: it's in life like you just can't even go out in public and not see someone, even a young person, use a, a smartphone or a tablet. And uh, we've tried to lock down the devices that we give them as much as possible, but you know, occasionally we will give them our phone uh, to play with uh, YouTube Kids. Uh, as you know, I'm hoping that in the next in the ten years or the the next seven years, um, there will be a device that will be more age appropriate. So instead of taking a device that was designed for adults and then just kind of taking stripping away the features to make it more dumbed down, have something that's more. Uh, kind of in tune with, the, uh, uh, you know, an adolescent lifestyle. So maybe like a smart bracelet or something. Hmm. Uh, but as for phones, I would give them, I would give her, my eldest daughter, a phone when, if she could use it solely for communication, but just with me. Uh, but like very, very, uh, a very limited set, which I don't think would be a bad thing. She'd probably be laughed at at school, but I, I could live with it.
2: Well, folks, yeah. if you uh, have uh, other answers or, or opinions or thoughts on that, uh, send them our way. Parentsfeedback at dailytechnewsshow.com.
0: Yeah, and thanks, Brandon, for, for writing in this question and, and starting the conversation. Also, thanks to Justin Robert Young for being with us today, Mr. Politics. What's new in your world?
3: Got a great interview up uh, uh, this week with, uh, as I mentioned, Dr. Or sorry, Professor Joseph Uzinski of the University of Miami. Uh, I thought it was uh, uh, great. He was fantastic, uh, breaking down not only where conspiracy theories come from, popular ones, ones that. Uh, existed in the past why they propagate and how we can think about them as critically as we can I would can encourage you to go download that conspiracy theories are for losers an interview with professor joseph usinski uh, on the politics 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 feed
2: yeah I like how he starts off uh differentiating conspiracies which are real yes. from conspiracy theories which may or may not be real Yeah, Uh, folks. Our goal each month is to get one more patron than last month. And you could be the person that puts us over the top if you're not already there. And if you're already there, share the news about becoming a DTNS member. It's Thursday. That means Roger's got a column out Uh, Saturday. I'm going to have an editor's desk out. There's all kinds of cool stuff you get. Uh, in your rss feed from patreon including the fact that it doesn't have any ads uh, all of that and more available go check it out at patreon.com slash dtns
0: if you've got feedback our email address is feedback at DailyTechNewsShow.com. it's a great way to keep in touch with us we're also live monday through friday at 4:30 p.m eastern 2030 utc find out more at dailytechnewshow.com slash live
2: back tomorrow to talk about blockchain and cryptocurrency with laura shin maybe len peralta we'll talk to you then
1: This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com.
3: Diamond Club hopes
0: you have enjoyed this (laughs) program. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
4: Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. From a local business to a global corporation.